0: It was my first trip ever to London, many years ago. I was getting around the city like most people do, underground, the tube. It's cheap, but it's also fast. Riding in those little cars, I kept noticing one billboard that kept showing up. On my first trip to London, I kept seeing those underground billboards fly by. London, Metropolitan Tabernacle. Finally, it dawned on me, this was the Church of Charles Spurgeon, where a great revival broke out in an earlier generation. Next trip, with friends, I went to the church. This summer, as depression is four to five times greater than last year, I'm thinking back to Spurgeon, who suffered from dark days. Why were hearts lifted and fears eased? Spurgeon told us. Every time he preached, there were people praying a group gathering in the basement under his pulpit. This summer, if you're going through dark days, there's one great answer, and it comes from Spurgeon, prayer. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're starting a second week in a significant series called Soul Care. As if COVID-19 isn't itself enough to worry about, and many listeners are telling us they're tired of the disease, who isn't? Now comes word that the stress and isolation era is causing interpersonal conflict. A new survey by the Southern Baptist Lifeway Research says conflict in the church is a growing concern for pastors and churchgoers during the pandemic. Going through dark days, we need more soul care. In a few minutes, we'll be joined again by St. Louis Pastor Zach S. Wine. And while his book called Spurgeon's Sorrows is so much more than a self-help book, I've asked Dr. S. to share some practical steps to take from the great preacher at London Metropolitan Tabernacle. If it was good enough for Spurgeon, I'd say it's good enough for you and me to hear and follow.
1: Charles Spurgeon, in the book, he's he's our traveling companion, uh, a fellow friend who's uh, experienced these things. He said uh, depression can be a part of our chemistry, our DNA. He also said that depression can come from circumstances. And then he also talked about spiritual depression.
0: You want to know the three places depression comes from? Even better, how we deal with it? Well, in these next few minutes, I invite you to listen to how the Lord led Spurgeon out of dark days and how we can grow our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Then after the program, I want to suggest you get a copy of Zach Heswine's book, Spurgeon's Sorrows, Realistic Hope for Those Who Suffer from Depression. We'll ask for your financial support, but then we'll send this very helpful book to help lead you out of dark days. Just call us after the program at 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Or read the first chapter at our website, and we'll get the book on its way from haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And a bit more good news. The shipping is free with your gift. And don't forget, we still have the Jeremy Camp feature film, I Still Believe, for your gift to the ministry. I'll tell you more about it later in the program, but first, let's open with a brand new song from I Am They about our faithful God.
2: I am surrounded on every side, can't see the light of day, but I am persuaded. I stake my claim on every word you say, you will not be late. I will sing through fire and thunder, cause you are on my side, I trust you with the
0: It's a single that's just been released by a group called I Am They, a song called Faithful God, here on A Heathen Today, called Soul Care, here on Monday, and I'm Charles Morris. I said a few minutes ago that I wanted you to hear some positive steps from Charles Spurgeon on how to get you through these dark days, whether you struggle from clinical depression or just feel like you're in a haze during this COVID summer. I think we all need to hear this great insight that Pastor Zach Hesswine shared with me. That's coming up in a few minutes. But first, I want to go to St. Louis and hear from Pastor Zach about the challenges of leading a congregation today. Zach, this pandemic has brought controversy to a lot of churches all across North America right now. Masks, no masks, to meet or not to meet. How do we meet? We hear a lot of churches being divided. How are you, as a pastor of a church, dealing with these things right now?
1: Yeah, boy, we really have a we really have a challenge of leadership on our hands, and we need a great deal of help and care. The biggest challenge that we faced, and that many pastors I've talked to face, is actually political. The way COVID nineteen and politics in an election year all get lumped together, at least in the way that it's talked about. And so it, it, it becomes a political statement to wear a mask or to not wear a mask or um, a political statement if you uh, meet in your building or you meet outside or things like this. And two things we at least need. One, we need Paul's words in Romans and the Corinthian letters when he talks about people who eat certain foods and not others and then Christians who observe certain days and not others. And he's, he's giving us the difference between uh, the, tether, the tether ball of the faith. Tether ball is like there's this pole, and then tethered to that pole is a ball, and you hit the ball all around. Now, the pole doesn't move. It's fixed, and that's, the, uh, that's a picture of the essentials of our faith, what, what you have to hold on to in order to be a Christian. The ball is like our opinions as Christians. It can move at multiple mm-hmm. speeds. It can move in multiple directions. And um, that, as long Paul is saying, is that opinion of a Christian is tethered in their conviction to Christ, then to live uh, before the Lord with their opinion uh, on that. But we're to show charity to one another in Christ with these primary and secondary issues. Now, sometimes the problem is, in that tether ball game, you hit the ball so hard, you just keep hitting the ball, hitting the ball. It's like hitting your opinion, hitting your opinion, and it wraps around the pole. So that when you look at the pole, you also see the ball and the tether all wrapped around. And it all looks like one thing. And suddenly, our opinion has become like an essential of the faith. And now, when that happens, now we are, can be at odds with each other believing that we're standing for essential biblical truths, uh, not, not aware that actually we've gotten entangled in a story that uh, has to do with equally fervent Christians trying to figure out uh, their opinions on complex things.
0: What a very helpful picture that you just painted, Zach. I remember playing tetherball as a young boy, and it really was all about winning. But if I hear you correctly, we need to be careful with our brothers and sisters in the church to not dominate each other with our own ideas or opinions regarding these second things. Now, I agree with you. This is really hard to do. How would you suggest we start thinking this way?
1: It isn't uh, our mask wearing that uh, saves us or, I, or gives us our true identity. It's the cross of Christ that saves us in the resurrection of Christ in which our true identity is found. And to try gently to help us remember together so that we can hold our opinions charitably with one another. And just, and just to say together, uh, we will not divide over a question about a mask. Uh, our, we are knit together by deeper, more ancient things, and we look to Christ himself And we, we have to, so we're learning to talk like that. A a second thing is, um, needing wisdom. And so we've spent a good bit of time in the wisdom literature together as a leadership team and reminding ourselves of some basic things like there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing or reminding ourselves that, uh, one person, uh, One view seems right until another person comes and examines him. One of the Proverbs there. Just a reminder that wisdom listens to two sides of a story. Mm -hmm. And wisdom listens to two sides of a story who have different opinions. And on the basis of having heard more than one source, and on the basis of having sources who differ from one another, determines what is true in both and what is off in both, and then makes a decision. And so we've been reminding ourselves of that. Uh, We are are being tempted to believe that there are only two views in the world, and they they stem from American politics of I am a Republican or I am a Democrat, and being brought to think that wisdom is found in my upholding my own particular political view. And what we're reminding ourselves that biblically, wisdom would say this, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, As a follower of Jesus, your talking points will be different from uh, your own political party. You will sound different as a Christian who's a Republican or a Christian who's a Democrat than those who aren't Christians who are Republicans and those who aren't Christians who are Democrats. Our talking points uh, will be different because we listen to people who differ from us. And we love neighbors no matter who they are. And we mm. love even enemies, and this is a great grace and strength that we need to do it, but we will do that. And that means that if, if uh, wisdom is found in a source that I don't usually agree with, I need to be honest about it and say, well, on this point, I think there was wisdom there. And that means we'll break with our tribal tendency mm. because we are anchored in something deeper. And I'll, I'll try to risk saying it this way. We're all trying to find language for it, right? It's something like this. Jesus is just too wide, deep, high, long for the two parties of, of 21st century America to capture. Uh, Jesus is the one through whom all things are held together. J- Jesus is the one through whom Saturn was spoken into being, uh, there is just no way that the tiny political parties uh, on this particular continent in the 21st century can uh, close in or capture the breadth of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And um, so we've been trying to find ways to talk like that with each other. And usually that means looking at wisdom texts, that we've been less familiar with, but to help us come back and say, "Okay, well, what was? How does wisdom handle things like this?" And so, those are some of the things we've been working on, and um, we've we've just needed a lot of help.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're not through yet. No. <laughs> Zach, would you mind leading us in prayer that Jesus would speak to each of us in a time like this in a COVID nineteen summer?
1: Yes, Lord, uh, we are outmatched and rendered uh, helpless, but we are reminded, Lord, that surely these things have been true all along. You are just allowing us to be, to see them in a new way. And we ask that you would comfort the downcast, comfort the frightened, that you would bring humility and, uh, a softened heart to the angry and furious, we pray that you would give us discernment as your followers. We ask, Lord, you would have mercy upon our weakness and see our tendency to divide and fight over things that are secondary. Even though they matter, we need help to discern what those are. And Lord, we pray that you would draw near in a very powerful, strong way for each of your congregations, Lord, and that you would give softened hearts, grant repentance, grant charitable hearing. We pray right now, Lord, would you enable us to learn to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to vent anger. We're asking, we confess our naivete and our foolery, even as your followers, our great need of a savior. And we thank you that one greater than Solomon has come. And we thank you that Jesus is our wisdom. And we pray by your spirit you would help us hear and follow. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen.
3: Let the words of my mouth be pleasing.
0: Pleasing to you. Fernando Ortega, a soothing voice at a time like this, let the words of my mouth, Psalm 19:14 and Philippians 4:8 set to music from his Shadow of Your Wings album. Here in this Haven a Day, and we're in our series for a second week called Soul Care. Now, when we began our time together, I said we were going to hear from Charles Spurgeon through Pastor Zach Keswine about the three ways depression can come into our lives and how we can battle it. And here's how Zach explains it.
1: Charles Spurgeon, in the book, he's he's our traveling companion, uh, a fellow friend who's uh, experienced these things. And from his uh, uh, thorough biblical perspective, he said that depression can come from one of three places. Depression can be a part of our chemistry, our DNA. Uh, We can be born with a melancholy bent in our being, he said. He also said that depression can come from circumstances, just like we were just talking about, a circumstance that so marks our life that it lingers with us in a painful way throughout the course of our life. And then he also talked about spiritual depression, depression that can come at us from a a spiritual angle, the attack of our enemy and uh, our uh, feeling blocked or abandoned by God. And so from that vantage point, he then reminded us of the Christian belief that we are body and soul. And so when he talks about God's provision for us, he'll talk about provisions in creation, like a hot bath, or nutrition, or um, medicine, or uh, the need to Uh, uh, have a dog as a pet. Um, He'll talk about practical things like, uh, he was in foggy and rainy London, and so he he regularly found that he had to find his way to spend extended time to see sunlight and the beauty of creation. And so he would speak very practically about a way of life that helps uh, manage and uh, speak into these symptoms of depression. But then he would also meditate on the promises of God, and he actively thought about Jesus. One of the profound things Charles Spurgeon says is that sometimes in our depression, it isn't the cross that's a comfort to us. Sometimes in our depression, it's not even the resurrection of Jesus that comforts us. Sometimes in our depression, what we need to know is that Jesus was at Gethsemane, and that he was betrayed, and that he was a sweat like blood, And that he would cry out on the cross, not only paying for our sins, but he would take up the cry of the victim. And he would say, why have you forsaken me? And that garden of betrayal in Gethsemane, Spurgeon says it this way. He says, when you see the garden of Gethsemane, what you're seeing is the mental depression of Jesus. That's how he puts it. The mental depression of Jesus. And when you see the mental depression of Jesus, you see our general. He's not a general that stands in the back and sends the soldiers forward. No, he's a general who goes first and leads the way. He's the first one through the garden of betrayal, the first one to taste all the darkness of depression on our behalf. And when we see that, we learn that we have a fellow friend with God. And so these body and soul provisions become uh, Hmm. not a momentary fix, but a way of life that becomes the means of grace in God's hands to Uh, to heal us, to mend us, to help us.
0: A final word from Pastor Zach Eswine. The Lord has taken him through some dark valleys in his own life. And I know that's why Charles Spurgeon has been a comfort to him. Well, as you heard today, Spurgeon struggled with depression on and off during his public ministry. Yet he always found home in Jesus Christ. And that's why I'd like you to have a copy of Zach's book, Spurgeon's Sorrows, Realistic Hope for Those Who Suffer from Depression. Zach shows us the nature of depression with compassion and understanding. And he does this using the life of Spurgeon. I already said it's not a self-help book, but it's a helpful note that'll show there is hope in Christ for everyone struggling right now. Why don't you call us right now at 800-654-2836. That's 800-654-2836. Make your gift and ask for your copy of the book. And you can also go online at haventoday.org, at web address haventoday.org. And while you're there, read the first chapter of Spurgeon's Sorrows for free. And then take a look at the blog we put up there where Spurgeon talks about his struggle with depression as well. And then you can make your gift and we'll send the book to you ASAP. And if you've been looking for a movie this COVID-19 summer that will show you how the Lord is with us, even in the hardest of times, I highly encourage you to get a copy from us of the DVD, I Still Believe. It follows the story of Jeremy Camp and his first wife's battle with cancer. My wife and I so enjoyed it, and I know it'll greatly encourage you, too. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for meeting up with me today. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we'll share together the great story that's all about Jesus, here on Haven Today.
4: Here for your encouragement and your walk with God, this is David Wolin with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Long ago, human beings enjoyed a close communion with God. He met their every need, and they were perfectly content. But all of that was lost when Adam and Eve bought into the lie that God was holding out on them, that they deserved more and could get it outside of God. You know, even for a Christian today, it's so easy to slip back into that way of thinking, and discontentment is often directly proportional to our preoccupation with wealth and possessions and the false sense of security they bring, which is why Hebrews 13 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. In the end, there's only one way to find contentment that lasts, and that's to find it in Christ alone. Get your Anchor devotional delivered in print monthly at getanchor.com.